Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode number 214 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Polian, as always. And we are back this week as bowl season kicks off Friday afternoon with two games before a full-blown seven-game Saturday slate. We'll cover the first 10 bowl games on this show going through Monday, December 20th. And with that many games to discuss, there's really no more time to waste on this intro. Is there now, Tony? No, there's not. I mean, it really kicks off. Uh, uh, they really get to it on, on Saturday and, and a rare Friday night uh, bowl games, which usually start off with about three or four games on a Saturday. we got two games on Friday. And like you said, seven on Saturday. That is a huge number. Absolutely. And we're going to get to plowing through that huge number in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. We're back in better than ever with a new web interface for the rest of the NBA, NFL, and college football seasons, and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code, BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. Bowl game odds are out, and just one game that we'll discuss on today's show has a spread less than five points. Appalachian State favored by three against Western Kentucky. I I don't know about who's going to win the game, about the spread between the game, but you know what? If I'm a betting man, I look at the over because I think Western Kentucky is going to put up huge numbers, and Appalachian State themselves has got a real good offense. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and your home to slam that Appalachian State, Western Kentucky over. Bet online where the game starts. Now the Bahamas Bowl kicks off bowl season at 12 noon Friday, as Tony said, just an abnormal start time for bowl season, but not, not much has been normal about the last couple of years. This game features six and six Middle Tennessee State and seven and five Toledo. And the guys to watch in this game, some late round defensive players on each team. MTSU has two guys that we've been talking about here in our preview shows for a few years now. Linebacker DQ Thomas, great speed, safety size, 14 and a half tackles for loss and five sacks this season. In addition to pursuit ability, while safety Reed Blankenship at a team leading 106 tackles this year, lacks great size and speed, but hits hard and makes an impact when he's on the field. Top prospects for Toledo, pair of junior edge rushers, Jamal Hines and Dewan Johnson couple more undersized players from group of five schools, but they are decent athletes. Hines led the team with 10 sacks. Johnson added 12 tackles for loss. Defensive backs Sam Womack and Tyson Anderson are the top senior prospects for the Rockets. Anderson missed the first three games with a knee injury. He's an aggressive safety with a special teams mentality. Whereas Womack, nice ball skills, 14 pass breakups, tied for the MAC lead this season. But again, he's an undersized corner. As a result, not going to be able to play outside at the NFL level. Tony, your thoughts on the Bahamas Bowl? Well, it's a fun game to watch because it's in a place that a lot of people would prefer to be, the Bahamas. It's always 80 degrees and sunny there. But, uh, 
you know, as far as Toledo is concerned, also keep an eye on their left tackle, Vitaly German, a former, I believe he's Bloomsburg State transfer. He's playing left tackle, but he projects to guard. He's a small area blocker. He's tough. He's a slug it out guy. Could slide into the late rounds. You mentioned Tyson Anderson. A lot of scouts really like Tyson Anderson. A lot of scouts feel that Tyson Anderson could be a sixth or seventh round pick. I don't see it on film with the speed, but he, he is tall. He's got a nice length to him. Sam Womack, I don't think it's going to be drafted, but he's got outstanding ball skills. As you said, a potential dime back, special teams player at the next level. And Reed Blankenship, he's not going to test well, but he's a good football player. I mean, he's a strong safety, box sort of safety guy who I think is really going to stand out on special teams. Now the other Friday matchup, the Cure Bowl between 10-2 and two Coastal Carolina and 9-4 and four Northern Illinois. We just discussed the Huskies on our last show. QB Rocky Lombardi, fullback Clint Rakovich, the rat dog as they call him, and left tackle Marquez Cox, all intriguing players on the NIU offense. But the real prospect talent here plays for the Chanticleers. Tight end Isaiah Likely, 52 catches, 816 yards, and 10 touchdowns this season. Threatens the seam and should threaten to be a day-two pick in April. Javon Hiley won't be drafted as Hiley, but had 59 receptions, over 1,000 yards, and seven touchdowns of his own this year. Another big play threat for this Coastal Carolina offense. And we actually had him on our show back in September. Go back and check out that interview. Because in that interview, he talked about quarterback Grayson McCall, a redshirt sophomore who's very highly regarded in the scouting industry. Both of these guys are going to catch passes from him, and they're going to catch accurate passes because McCall is usually pretty on the money with his passes. He's a good athlete who can escape the pocket and run as well. Just lacks a cannon arm but in the end has been very productive, 23 touchdowns, just three interceptions this year. And on the defensive side of the ball, watch out for Jeffrey Gunter, 23 tackles for loss, 13 sacks the past two seasons, moves well, has solid size, plays that bandit role on the Coastal Carolina defense. Might actually see some of Marquez Cox off the edge, which could be a fun matchup. Who are you most excited to watch in this one, Tony? Oh, Isaiah Likely. I mean, he's been my guy literally for two years. Uh, Someone who, as I said time and time again, he is a wide receiver and a tight end body. Really looking forward to seeing him in the postseason as well as this game. Going to the Senior Bowl, a guy who I've had highly rated for two years, much higher rated than scouts. You mentioned Hilaly. I mean, go back and listen to the interview. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the quickest guy, but he's an outstanding athlete. And he's a guy who really has, has his priorities straight. I hope he gets drafted in the late rounds, the seventh round. He's going to have to run well. I do think he's going to find his way onto a roster. Jeffrey Gunter, I think, disappointed scouts a bit uh, this season. Keep an eye out for Coastal Carolina cornerback, the Jordan Strong, a bit underrated in his game. Rocky Lombardi, I mean, he's up and down. He is what he is. The Northern Illinois quarterback, he's more of a game manager. Radikovic is a bit of a throwback as he's a West Coast fullback. He's going to be playing in the Shrine game. I don't think we'll see anybody from Northern Illinois get selected in draft. Now that Saturday slate we discussed earlier kicks off at 11 a.m. Early start with the Boca Raton Bowl in my birthplace, Boca Raton, Florida. And there's a game between the aforementioned 10-3 and Appalachian State and 8-5 and Western Kentucky. And like NIU in the last segment, we covered Western Kentucky on each of our past two shows. So we won't go too in-depth here. But just know to watch out for defensive end D'Angelo Malone on defense. It's probably the only player in this game with a shot at day two of the draft. Hopefully he gets some more chances to play in space 
than we saw from him in the conference USA title game. But I don't know if I'd count on it considering the way the Hilltoppers use him off the line. And also quarterback Bailey Zappi on offense for Western Kentucky as he chases Joe Burrow's recent passing records for yards and touchdowns, especially watch him when he's throwing to wide receiver Jarvis Stearns. Then for App State, some late round defenders and wide receivers to watch. Defensive end Demetrius Taylor hasn't really progressed much since his breakout 2019 season. He's probably borderline draftable at best at this point. The leading tackler on the defense, linebacker DeMarco Jackson and cornerback Sean Jolly are a couple other players to watch. Jolly, kind of like Sam Womack earlier, lacks the size to play outside, but shows good ball skills and speed. And really, he has a chance to be matched up against Jarrah Stearns a decent amount. They both have similar size, both a bit undersized. So that should be a fun matchup between two good players who, again, just you know are not that big. Uh, leading receiver Corey Sutton for App State, not going to play in this game after having surgery for an upper body injury. It's going to open up more opportunity for both Malik Williams and Thomas Hen- Hennigan as well as Jalen Virgil, who's kind of been used sparingly this season, but has a big chance this weekend. And he's also a good return specialist. I think Hennigan, Virgil, uh, Jalen Virgil, Malik Williams, and Corey Sutton, I don't know that any of them are going to be drafted, but they will all be in camp uh, this summer vying for number five receiver uh, spots on the roster. They all have, you know, Virgil's a little bit quicker and faster. Malik Williams has got some speed. Hennigan and Sutton are more your possession receivers. You mentioned Demetrius Taylor. I think part of the problem is he's out of place in their 3-4 alignment at uh, Appalachian State. He's more of a three-technique tackle. Sean Jolly is a guy who I really like the past couple of years. I think he's underrated by scouts. I think he's worth a late-round pick. I don't think he's going to be selected, but I think he'll have every opportunity to uh, make it as a dime back at the next level. You know, uh, Western Kentucky's got a high-scoring offense. Bailey Zapp, we talked about him last week. As far as I'm concerned, a real good college quarterback who doesn't project well next level. It'll all be down to D'Angelo Malone. I mean, can he rush the passer? Like you said, do they do they let him play in space? Because we know he can play in space. And then we'll, ha- we'll have to see what happens with D'Angelo Malone in the lead up to the draft in the postseason games. Is he used as, you know, a 3-4 linebacker in those coverage drills? And how does he do? Another kickoff on Saturday afternoon, the Celebration Bowl, an FCS battle between 11-1 and Jackson State. And 6-5, six and five, South Carolina State. A few players to watch. Former Florida linebacker James Houston. 47 tackles, 14 and a half for loss this season for Jackson State. Also former Houston receiver Keith Corbin, who we've actually discussed on this show in the past few years. It's also with Jackson State now. Leading receiver with 65 receptions, 897 yards, and six touchdowns. On the South Carolina State side, there's MIAC Defensive Player of the Year, Kobe Durant. Likely going to see a lot of Corbin in coverage, had two interceptions when they played against Clemson earlier this season. And even though his team lost 49-3, certainly made an impression and showed that he can hang with the big boys. So rare for an HBCU FCS type of game, but definitely a few players of interest in this one. What do you think of them, Tony? Yeah, I mean, you go with the South Carolina State defense. You mentioned Durant. I think he is a legit middle-day three pick. He's a guy who could go late fifth, early sixth, playing in the Shrine game. Uh, a guy who's got terrific ball skills. The only problem with the Kobe Durant is he's five foot nine, and he's got a bit of a slight build. He plays big football, but everybody wants their cornerbacks to be uh, over six foot uh, these days. Uh, but he can play. He's got terrific ball skills, and, and he's a feisty guy. The other kid to keep an eye on in South Carolina State is B.J. Davis. I right now have a six-round grade on him. There's some talk uh, he may enter the draft as an underclassman. I don't think that's going to happen. 
but he is a guy that's got a bright, bright future for the next level. He's a good athlete who can play in space, but he's also shown himself to be a terrific pass rusher this year. You look at Jackson State, you mentioned Keith Corbin. Uh, really just, I know he's got a lot of stats, but nothing really pops on Keith Corbin. I think his best football was three years ago when he played for Houston. James Houston, the former Florida transfer, has had a real good year. They've got some guys to keep an eye on, potential late rounders. Niles Gaddy, junior pass rusher, a senior uh, defensive tackle that really doesn't get a lot of uh, mention by name, Antoine Owens, and, and another defensive tackle by the name of Coinus Miller. Uh, that Jackson State defense is really going to get after the South Carolina offense. And South and as I mentioned, you know, South Carolina State uh, has, a de- has a decent uh, defense themselves. Next up, the New Mexico Bowl, which pits 9-3 Fresno State against 7-5 UTEP. Not much going on at UTEP. There are a lot of people that do think junior quarterback Gavin Hardison has the potential for the next level. 17 touchdowns, 12 interceptions this season, but really not much else for the Miners in terms of draft prospects. Fresno State, on the other hand, not even totally sure who their quarterback's going to be at the time of this recording. Jake Hayner had planned to follow former head coach Kalen DeBoer to Washington, but then he kind of backtracked. So we're kind of going to have to see how that shakes out in terms of what's going to happen with this bowl game. Hayner, probably not a draftable prospect, but did have 32 touchdowns and nine interceptions, almost 4,000 yards passing this season. Running back Ronnie Rivers, a smaller third down back, 788 yards and five touchdowns on the ground this year. But more impressively, 34 catches for 364 yards, certainly puts it in as a receiver, despite weighing in under 200 pounds. And then cornerback Deron Bland, also an interesting prospect, transferred in from Sacramento State, before this season, had a decent year for Fresno State. What do you think of these guys, Tony? Two sleepers to keep an eye on at Fresno State. Their left tackle, Dante Bull, who plays to his name. He plays like a bull. He's a college left tackle who projects to the right side. He's big. He's strong. He's fundamentally sound. I don't think he gets drafted, but I think he's going to have every opportunity to make it the next level. They have a terrific underclassman uh, receiver by the name of Jalen Cropper, who I'm told is considering entering the draft. Huge production this season. They also have another underrated uh, linebacker in Aaron Mosby. They kind of use him as a defensive end. They don't use him in space. Mosby is very athletic. He can cover a lot of area on the field. I like his next level potential, but because of the fact that they've moved him all around and they never really let him develop that linebacker, I don't think he gets drafted. I absolutely agree. Gavin Hardison is a next level prospect. We talked about him over the, uh, over the summer. They got another receiver by the name of uh, Justin Garrett, who is not going to get drafted, but he's a solid possession receiver with reliable hands. Five more bowl previews to go on this show, but first a word from our new friends over at Lightbox. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at the light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but just are grown in a lab. And because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. White box lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Price say they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. 
Now, the fourth game Saturday, the Independence Bowl between 10 and 2 BYU and 8 and 4 UAB. UAB left tackle Kadeem Telfort. It's a guy with great size, long arms at 6'7. It's far from a statue, too. I uh, expect a strong performance from Telfort against a BYU team that racked up just 17 sacks this season. Running back Tyler Algier is the engine of the BYU offense with the quarterback Zach Wilson no longer around. Over 1,400 yards, 20 touchdowns on the ground. Also added 26 catches for 187 yards through the air. He's got good size. He runs hard on the inside. And as I showed with those numbers, he can catch the ball a little bit too out of the backfield. So some definite late round intrigue with Algier, but really not much else for the Cougars. Just a year after having the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. Any sleepers that you like in this game, Tony? No, but you said uh, Zach Wilson no longer around. We can go, uh, we could take that in a variety of directions. <laughs> uh, you know, Tyler Algier, he's actually rated by some scouts as early as the fourth round. And I'm, I'm told he is leaning towards entering the draft. Not the fastest guy, not a true perimeter runner, but as you say, good pass catcher, pounds it on the inside, runs very hard. Samson Nico, a couple of years ago when he was at Utah, he was highly rated by scouts. He's kind of had uh, an up and down past two years uh, since transferring from Utah to BYU. I like the uh, Kadeem Telford kid, or I liked him a lot coming into the season. Plays left tackle, projects to right tackle, massive size, moves well for a guy that's as big as he is. I just don't think that he elevated his game enough to really warrant a late round pick. Now the Lending Tree Bowl battle of seven and five teams with Eastern Michigan and Liberty going against each other. And I mean, the obvious draw in this game, Flames quarterback Malik Willis didn't really build on his breakout 2020 campaign this season. He was very inconsistent, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 11 more scores and 820 yards on the ground. But he had three games this season with three interceptions, four with three or more passing touchdowns. So definitely wasn't as consistent as you might have hoped for for a guy of his talent. But I mean, that raw talent is absolutely tantalizing. I mean, he's a great athlete. He's got an NFL arm does flash accuracy and pass placement too at times, but teams keyed in on him a little bit after last year. So it was a little bit tougher sledding for him, but you could definitely argue that he has the highest ceiling of any draft eligible quarterback, whether that says more about Willis or the draft class remains to be seen, but he is a potential dual threat who can win with both his arm and his legs just does have a little bit of work to do to clean up his game. But then again, I mean, we talked about Josh Allen a couple of years ago on this show. They're not the same player, so it's not an exact comparison, but Josh Allen did not really have a ton of NFL talent around him. His team was overmatched every week. Liberty is a better team than Josh Allen had at Wyoming, but it's certainly possible that this could be a situation where Malik Willis is just playing with guys who don't have next-level futures, and you know, as a result, it's hurting him just a little bit, and maybe once he's out of that situation, we could see him thrive, maybe like Josh Allen. I don't know. What do you think, Tony? You know, I don't know. I, Malik Willis never really carried the Liberty team on his shoulders like Josh Allen did. But then again, if you remember, Josh Allen came off a very poor junior campaign and some people were saying he was going to be a bust. He was never going to make it. And look what he's turned into. I agree with you. You know, Malik Willis is a terrific athlete. He's got all the physical tools, but it's a situation where he's not NFL ready. It's going to be a while before he's NFL ready. And he really has to develop from athlete and thrower into a passer. I mean, yes, okay, he doesn't have great talent around him, but neither did Josh Allen for that matter. Uh, I, I think the fact is people are getting, are getting a little bit too hyped up over Malik Willis, 
But like you said, it's a poor quarterback class, so who knows what's going to happen. The other play, one other player to keep an eye on as far as Liberty's concerned, the nose tackle, Ralph Rusin, a guy who went back for a super senior season. He's a big guy, a big uh, more of a gap occupier, not a real playmaker. Eastern Michigan, they have a, a guy that we've spoken about for a couple of years now, City So, who plays guard. He's a big wide body blocker who moves very well. He's probably too big and needs to lose some weight, but he has an a, a NFL future if he does the little things right. And keep an eye on Eastern Michigan's tight end, Thomas Udakoya. The guy looks like a power forward on the football field. He's a dominant blocker. He does a solid job catching the ball when they throw it to him, but they really don't throw it to him all that much. Uh, Odakoya could end up in the late rounds. Absolutely think that he has all the tools to develop into a number three tight end in the NFL. Now moving on to the LA Bowl, 7-5 and five, Oregon State against 10-3 and three, Utah State. Beavers tight end, Tegan Quiriano, good size, solid pass catcher, but kind of like the guy you just talked about, who, whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce, just 16 catches this year. Team just doesn't really use him quite that much. It's not really a threat up the seam, but in this one, matchup-wise, could see some of linebacker Justin Rice and safety Shaq Bond, two guys we've mentioned on our last two shows. We also mentioned left tackle Alfred Edwards. Doesn't have an intriguing matchup like he did against SDSU's Cameron Thomas in the conference championship game. So he should be in for a good game. Wide receiver Trayvon Bradford, leading receiver for Oregon State, 40 catches, 606 yards, and five touchdowns. Also a potential late-round pick. I mean, the Beavers' passing game against the Aggies' back seven definitely could provide some intrigue in this matchup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those two uh, Nevada kids you spoke about are, are good football players and they're not great athletes. Neither of them, I think, will get drafted. Rice has been a good player. You know, he was a real good player at Fresno State, transferred to Arkansas State, was a good player there last year as a senior, took advantage of his super senior season, went to Utah State. Obviously, it was a good move for him. You know, you mentioned Quentin Torino. Uh, Say that name for Queer Torino, correct? <laughs> Something like that. There you go. Uh, a lot of scouts like him. I mean, you're talking about a potential mid-round pick or at least a tight end that has a middle-round grade on him. With the depth at the tight end position, someone is eventually going to fall. Want to see how he does uh, in the uh, postseason. Bradford's a guy who came back for a super senior season. His great uh, or his uh, real value at the next level is, is as a punt returner. Now, two games left on today's show. Saturday's nightcap is the New Orleans Bowl between 12-1 and Louisiana and 7-5 and Marshall. Along with the better record, Louisiana boasts the game's top prospects, Right tackle, Max Mitchell, prototypical, powerful right tackle. He's got good length. Safety, Percy Butler, lacks top size or time speed, but he's a good all-around football player. 61 tackles, six for loss, four pass breakups this season. And then fellow defensive back, Makai Garner, just a sophomore, but he's got elite size, not a player that opponents target often. So maybe you'll see him in this game. Maybe you won't. Marshall's top NFL prospects, on the other hand, all likely just camp bodies. Left tackle Will Ulmer and center Alex Millette anchor the offensive line, while defensive end Jamari Edwards, cornerback Stephen Gilmore, and safety Brandon Drayton are the key defensive players for the Thundering Herd. Uh, you know, Louisiana's going through a coaching change, obviously. Billy Napier's on his way to Florida. Uh, Mackay Garner, Mickey Garner, their cornerback, could be on his way to Florida with them. Uh, otherwise, I, I think this would be a wipeout in favor of Louisiana. 
we don't know how they're going to react with the coaching change with their, with their guy uh, moving uh, to the SEC. Max Mitchell is a real good player. Could get drafted the Louisiana right tackle. Could get drafted in the later rounds. He's got good size. He's fundamentally sound. You mentioned Percy Butler, another guy who gets, gets selected in the late rounds. Keep an eye on Troncy Matic, a uh, linebacker size pass rusher. He's had a terrific year. Not the fastest guy, not the biggest guy, but someone who consistently finds ways to produce. I think uh, he ends up as a free agent, but could surprise in camp next year. And then, you know, Makai Garner. I've talked about him a lot over at Pro Football Network. There are some teams that are giving him a second round, uh, a day two grade. He is getting some second round grades because of the size, because of the ball skills. Uh, everything about Makai Garner screams he's going to enter the draft. But from what I hear, he likes college football. And the word is Billy Napier is going to try and take him to Florida uh, because Florida is going to be losing a lot of their uh, corners, their, their main corner anyway, to the draft. Our final game on today's show, the lone game Monday at 1.30 in the afternoon, the Myrtle Beach Bowl between a pair of six and six teams, Old Dominion and Tulsa. Not much going on in this game, although Tulsa does have intriguing wide receiver Josh Johnson, 74 catches, 958 yards, five touchdowns this season. Lacks great size, but has been a consistent producer since 2019 for the Golden Hurricane. And right tackle Chris Paul is a guy who could factor into the late round discussion. And a couple other offensive linemen too. Left guard Xavier Gadlin and center Gerard Wheeler, guys that we discussed a couple of years ago as players who could be potential top 100 picks down the line. Unfortunately for them, haven't really progressed. Their games have not stepped up, so they no longer carry that level of intrigue. But, I mean, as you can tell with the guys I just mentioned, this Tulsa offensive line, pretty solid unit. And the guy you left out was Tyler Smith, the left tackle, who has really elevated his game. He is loved by scouts. I'm told he's leaning towards entering the draft. He could be a day two pick. Tyler Smith has all the physical skills, and there are times where he absolutely wows you. But there are other times you watch the Cincinnati game where his head is just spinning and he doesn't know what's going on. So I think with Tyler Smith, it's a matter of, you know, can the mental aspects of the game catch up with his physical tools? Because he has an outstanding upside. Tyneal Martin, a guy that uh, I've liked the past couple of years, safety, probably most uh, most well-known as the guy that Mississippi State <laughs> was chasing down in that uh, melee after last year's bowl game. Old Dominion, you know, give them credit. Uh, they, they don't have all that much as far as uh, NFL prospects are concerned. Isaac Weaver, the center, is someone who will get some looks. Jordan Young, the linebacker. But remember, Old Dominion didn't play last year. They were one of the, pro uh, the programs that decided to opt out of the whole season because of COVID-19. They come back, they have a good year, and now they're in the Myrtle Beach Bowl, which is always a fun one to watch. And that's it for the 214th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by Bet Online and the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback you may have as well. We'll be back next week with more on bowl season. But until then, on behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.